0: This is the Washington Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Well, the 2024 election is officially underway, and many of us are wondering now how we can best leverage our time, money, and effort to make the biggest impact. So in order to keep you on top of things, we are again bringing you our monthly election coverage with our friend Kevin Jones. He is leader of Indivisible Vashon and a member of the Washington Indivisible Network Steering Committee and the head of the Win Elections Group. You will likely remember, Kevin, from our 2022 coverage where we brought you the most up-to-date developments as well as numerous ways to get involved, so we're very excited to resume this and bring kevin back. Hey man, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Stefan. I hope trust that all is well with you as also
0: yeah, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of trepidatious uh, about this year's, uh, you know, the prospects for this year, but we'll get into that. Uh, I will mention right before we get started that, you know, you're very much a data guy. So a lot of what we're going to cover here today is driven by numbers that you have run on statewide national races, and all of this is contained in your battleground states matrix. This can be found at indivisiblevashon.org slash GOTV. Uh, I really recommend that people take a look at this as we go through the data. and I'll just mention there's a bunch of other great resources there for people. So uh, I think it makes sense to start with the presidential uh, election, since this is the thing that is giving people the most trepidatious, uh, trepidation. rather. So I'll just start by asking, you know, you personally, how are you feeling uh, about the stakes of the presidential election?
1: Uh, that, that's a really good question. And uh, actually, my position doesn't vary, like from day to day, I'm actually feeling uh, that, you know, I'd love to say the Biden-Harris administration will win easily. Uh, that's not really my true expectation. No. Um, I believe that we will definitely win that contest. Biden Harris will prevail. But the reason I believe that is because I believe progressives across the state and the country are clearly going to see what is at stake and will make the investment in time and treasure, you know, starting now to assure that we get that outcome.
0: Yeah, it's going to be close. And it really is going to come down to everybody's efforts and turning out. And the swing states in this year's election are going to be a little bit different. According to your matrix, which key swing states are we focusing on this year and why?
1: yes i'm glad you mentioned the matrix uh you know this can be kind of like an audio visual thing right if people are tuning into that while listening to us so for the white house um it really is the states that have been historically competitive now we are reaching out to leaders in those states to see what they might tell us in addition to what the numbers say but right now past performance says arizona is like the leading going to be really close state Pennsylvania, North Carolina are kind of tied, then Nevada and Michigan. And I'll say that your alert listener is going to ask about, where's Georgia? Because, of course, Georgia got lots and lots of headlines in the last cycle. Well, Georgia right now is very competitive for the White House, uh, but you're not going to find it on our list because it's not competitive on the Senate or in the U.S. House.
0: Well, so it is very, very early on, but what actions can people take right now?
1: Oh, So when you take a look at that matrix out there, what we are trying to do is show you the states and which states are going to help you achieve which outcomes. And then further down in that matrix, you have postcarding, phone banking, voter registration opportunities. So right now... First of all, we have a bunch of people out doing research. Well, that means two people doing research, maybe three. Uh, but we have phone banking and voter registration in Arizona. You can do postcard writing in all of those states we mentioned, except we haven't yet found an opportunity in Michigan. And donating anywhere, you can donate money to get those campaigns off to a good start.
0: I want to talk next. Absolutely. Donation, I think, is kind of universal here with all of these. Let's talk next about the Senate. Um, And I uh, will, of course, mention that we have a Senate race here in Washington. Senator Maria Cantwell is up for reelection. You and I like to consult political forecasters like Cook's uh, Inside Elections, Sabato. Uh, How are they rating this race?
1: Uh, Cantwell is in really great shape. Um, okay. Not surprising for Washington, sure. uh, but I think I'd have to go look. It's I believe it's certainly in the likely Dem, um, and I don't think it's quite in the solid category right now.
0: Yeah, so it goes lean, likely, and then solid, so very much on the Democratic side of things. So then what are the key races that are going to determine control of the Senate?
1: Uh, well, let's see. The One key thing to be aware of is that West Virginia, with Manchin stepping down, we already have sort of sent that state uh off of the list so um you know now it kind of that was our one seat like a margin or one seat a a margin of democratic control which sort of now like we're in a tie so but the states that are going to really matter um in arizona for example that will be a very very competitive race for senate now things have changed there right cinema is now an independent and there's a lot of independent registered voters in arizona Uh, So we definitely want to get behind the Democrat uh, who's going to be um, working to unseat her. Other states, Nevada is very key as well. Jackie Rosen uh, will be uh, a candidate we definitely want to get behind. Um, Ohio is also really close with Sherrod Brown. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Nevada and Ohio. Those are like true toss-ups right now in the ratings. The states that are... A little bit less challenging in terms of keeping those seats in Democratic control, Michigan and Pennsylvania, and currently kind of in that order.
0: All right. Uh, and of course, this is fluid. This can change. And as I've mentioned, this is going to be something that you and I are going to do all year. So we'll track any changes that happen there. Um, I want to shift over and talk about the House. So on your matrix, you've rated New York and California as being the top two states to focus on for the House. Talk about why.
1: So those are big states, number one, and they have a lot of really close competitive races going into 2024. Both of those states, if you look at those prognosticators we're talking about, have six very competitive house races. And so that means really two things. It means not only, um, you know, there are a lot of seats in play, but it means as a volunteer, we can find finding those volunteer opportunities, I should say, you know, um, there's going to be a lot of energy put into creating opportunities for people to help. If California only had one competitive seat, you can imagine maybe there's not going to be a whole lot of energy invested in creating opportunities. With six, they're going to be really working hard to find opportunities for people to help them out.
0: There are other states, of course, uh, to focus on, and I'll get to Washington in just a moment, but what other states besides New York and California uh, do you think people should be looking at?
1: Uh, you know, there's quite a few uh, when the folks go to the list for the house, uh, almost every state, uh, I mean, every state on our matrix has at least one competitive house race. Um, and you, it, these are the close house races, right? There's some other house races that aren't so competitive. Um, but from highest to lowest, again, Pennsylvania is is right up there with a very high score in terms of competitive house races after New York and California, Ohio and Michigan, we're kind of the next tier, and then we get Arizona, Colorado, and Oregon, and of course, we want to flag Oregon. Our friends in Consolidated Oregon Indivisible Network, right across the river, uh, have been talking with us about those opportunities. The next tier after that, for the House, Montana, Nevada, North Carolina, and all of that, you can you, your listeners will be able to see on that matrix. What we show there on that matrix is the number of competitive races, competitive house seats in those states. Again, the more opportunities for volunteers, the more races, we just figure that you're going to be able to find something to do to contribute into those states.
0: Well, right here at home, in addition to that, we know that we have uh, a few uh, closely watched house races, most notably Marie and Camp perez in the third. She's going to try and defend her seat there. Uh, it's my understanding that the people down in the third are currently working to build coalitions, uh, so stay tuned for that and volunteer opportunities. But what are some ways that people can get involved with this race right now?
1: Uh, well, certainly there's a couple ways. Um, one is, of course, donating money. Sure. Um, and so that that's always the possibility. Um, the other thing is Take Action Network <clears throat> is going to be this year's repository for how to find actions when the campaigns make them available to us. Um, in the past, we have put candidates, organizations on to Take Action Network. So once you get out onto TAN and to join, I give you there's a bit.ly uh, link, B I T dot L Y forward slash tan elections. It's all capitals, tan elections. You go out there. If you're not already a tan member, join up. If you are a tan member, you can basically add some search links to your tan dashboard. And what that means is when those candidates create opportunities to volunteer, tan is going to go find them and send them to you. So you may as well get those searches on your dashboard now, So that when they start the machinery up, you're going to be able to, you know, be in listen mode and and get those opportunities. And the last thing I'll say on that same link, there are some TAN training sessions. Uh, Kevin Leja and our friends in Bellingham are uh, happy to sit down and kind of give you a walkthrough what that tool looks like. So check it out and uh, get prepped is one thing we can do right now.
0: That's fantastic advice. You know, um, uh, there, TAN is such an extraordinary resource. I don't think we've done a segment yet uh, this year that hasn't named dropped TAN, hasn't <laughs> mentioned that and, and recommended it. So yeah. Also, this is interesting. uh Washington 6th district, um, five term Congressman Derek Kilmer is going to be stepping down. Uh, this district includes the Olympic and Kitsap peninsulas and most of Tacoma. What are your thoughts on this race and who might succeed him?
1: So uh, Kilmer won his last contest there by 20%. And, uh, you know, some of the numbers game is there, there's the power of incumbency. And uh, it's hard to measure exactly how powerful that is in terms of percentage. Mm-hmm. But I think most people think it's not 20%. Um, you know, it may be somewhere between 5 and 10. So what that tells me is we probably have a 10% margin of Goodwill for progressive voters to get a Democrat into that seat. I think the question right now is which Democrat is that going to be?
0: Well, and we do have two Democrats who have thrown their hat in the ring, uh, Emily Randall, State Senator Emily Randall, and Public Lands Commissioner, former Public Lands Commissioner Hillary Franz. So this is something that we will be watching uh, on our monthly segment here and following up on. And then in my home district, the 8th, uh, Congresswoman Kim Schreier is going to be running for her fourth term. What do the forecasters have to say about this race?
1: The forecasters are basically making Dr. Schreier, I think, feel pretty good right now, Uh likely Dem is the rating. Uh, But let's put this in a little different perspective as well. This is the highest win margin that Dr. Schreier has ever carried forward. uh, Six percent win margin the last time she was up for election. Not only is that a historic high, but it was during a midterm election in which typically, you know, we don't get the kind of turnout of progressive voters. So um, now a lot is going to depend on, as things always do, you know, how the race turns out, what kind of issues come up, who Mm. files as her opponent. Um, But when we talked about that power of incumbency, and now Dr. Schreier is at 6% win margin, you know, maybe that's kind of the incumbency value proposition, if you will. Uh, and, and she's certainly at that level. And uh, that's a good sign.
0: Yeah, it's, it's damn good, especially considering that the district was designed to be a Republican safehold uh, for Dave Reichert. And more on him in a second. Um, so, you know, uh, we've talked about all the states uh, now that are in play for the White House, the Senate and the House. So looking at your battleground vote matrix, uh, which states are the ones that tick all three boxes for you?
1: Yeah. And uh, so now what we're talking about is really important because what we're trying to do is get a voter to make sure that they turn in a ballot. And so the notion of you know which voters on their ballot are going to see, oh, here's a Democrat for the House and the Senate. And of course, everybody's going to have the White House. So those really key states that tick all those boxes, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona, and Nevada. So if you want to go for that trifecta, if you will, those are the states to really think about supporting.
0: All right. So I do want to circle back uh, to Washington State here and talk about our state executive office races. Um, Of course, we know that Governor Jay Inslee is going to be stepping down. There are uh, a few contenders looking to replace him, including uh, Attorney General Bob Ferguson. What are some of the other seats that are in play for a state executive here?
1: Uh, Well, public lands is um, an area to focus on because... um, our current public lands commissioner uh, is basically filed to run not only for governor, and then now is switched over to run for CD six. Right. So Hillary Franz is in pursuit of that, uh, as well as some other um, well-known names like Jamie Herrera Butler, Republican out of CD three, and Kevin Vandaway a state senator from the Jefferson County. I'm not sure I know the number of the uh, of the district. Um, And so they're unreasonably, those folks are all fairly conservative, uh, those names I mentioned. There are three well-known progressive Dems who filed as well. So again, we're going to have to kind of see how things sort themselves out in the primary.
0: And then, of course, there is insurance commissioner. We spoke with uh, State Senator Patty Kuderer, who is running for that position. And of course, attorney general is another race that uh, I think is shaping up to be pretty competitive. Uh, we will be bringing you coverage of all of these races here on the show as the year uh, and the election season unfold. Um, wh- which of these races that we've just discussed do you see as most competitive?
1: It, it, it is hard to answer that question right now, uh, but based on who's put their hat in the ring, uh, it looks like public lands is gonna be um, really the hot potato of those that we've mentioned so far.
0: Well, there's not a ton to do on any of these races just yet unless you back a specific candidate. So let's shift and talk about the state legislature. So uh, Democrats continue to hold solid majorities in both chambers, but there are some pickup opportunities in purple districts across the state. Tell us about a couple of those. Yeah, well, first of all, I would
1: like to go back to what you said. The margins are really good. I mean, I remember uh, door knocking when Monka Dingra flipped the Senate, which is in what, 2017? 2017. 2017. And um, and now we have a nine-seat margin in the state Senate and an 18-seat margin in the state House. So, number one, we are really blessed to be in Washington State. Nonetheless, yes, we can pick up some other seats. The 10th uh, legislative district, which is basically on um, the Whidbey Island and Camino Island. Uh, That is a place where they've been able to flip two of those three seats. They have one Republican senator, and this is the year to move that seat to the blue column. Also in the 26th, which is basically between Gig Harbor and Bremerton, this is where Emily Randall comes from. Yep. Um, two Republicans in the state house who are stubbornly long careers, both of them. Uh, So hopefully we'll have a chance to change that.
0: All right. And then I'll just uh, kind of billboard for folks Uh, on the 28th L.D. Twana Nobles uh, is going to be looking to hang on to her seat there. And in the 42nd, we have a Democratic trifecta uh, for the first time. This is up in the Bellingham area. We're going to look to hang on to that as well. So, you know, Kevin, before I let you go, um, I know many of us were understandably very anxious before the 2020 two election uh, about a red wave that ultimately never materialized. Um, I also think the Democrats' victory in the House in 2018, and then, of course, winning the White House and the Senate in special elections in 2020 uh, were good harbingers. A lot of things are certainly different this year, but I'm wondering how you are thinking about all of this as we head into the 2024 election in context.
1: Um, yeah, that's a, a good context. And, um, you know, we, we, of course, as you said, we walked away with some really count, somewhat surprising at times uh, when margins and in, when in our column. Right. Um, and if we look at what happened in Virginia last year at their um, basically their their state house and the Democratic wins there, uh, we also look at how women's reproductive rights is such mm-hmm. a powerful force in many, many states, blue and red states. Um, So right now, again, um, you know, the the White House race will present a challenge. I'm feeling less concerned about whether Biden-Harris will prevail. I think the Senate uh, will be the hardest uh, chamber to to maintain. In the House, I'm really confident we have so many paths to victory to flip the House. And, of course, the party in charge is showing every day that uh, we could use some, some better governance there. Uh, so I just think that the writing on the wall is gonna be very clear in the house. So um, in the matrix that you looked at, in the algorithms that give the states their scores, I actually double up the score of the senators, uh, just because that I think is where the real battleground will be.
0: Well, you know the picture is going to continue to shift in the coming months. But I, I hear from you cautious optimism. I'm going to say that that's kind of where my bubble is as well. So you know all of this is be continued. Uh, we will check back in with you next month. Thank you, my friend.
1: I will look forward to that, Stefan. Have a great month.
0: And that'll do it for this week. The executive producer of the show is Kat Pipkin. If you would like to see a video version of this podcast, head to facebook.com slash indivisible podcast. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Lori Cowell, And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.